Man, it's it's been a long time since I've seen this film. <laughs> Took it off his dead body. <laughs> no, that's that's not fair. That's just not really fair at all. The hell? Oh, it's my phone. Oh, okay. I forgot I changed the ringtone on this thing. Well, that's, that's kind of strange. The um, the caller ID says you don't really want to know best to move along. Huh. It's kind of weird. <sighs> oh well. Guess uh, guess I'll get back to the movie. Okay, I, um, apparently I have a voicemail. Let me pause this and uh, see what I got going on here. What the hell? Mike, this is Dufo DiManzo. Oh, well, that makes sense. I understand that you wish to take the month off along with Scott, but... Chris. Be nice. The HR people tell me that you've taken a lot of time off recently. What? So, unfortunately, I cannot allow you to take this month off. Come on. Perhaps if this was the day of my daughter's wedding, you could ask for a favor. But my daughter died tragically in a cannoli stuffing accident oh. many years ago. Sorry to hear that. So, that's not happening. So, get to it. Or something. Best to the wife and family. I take a couple months off for a family thing, and now I can't. Everyone. Really? Really? I gotta find somebody to, to, to co host this with. Let's, uh. Maybe I'll call Paul. Yeah, let's let's uh oh, he he just happens to be on Skype. Very good. Let me uh let me dial his number cuz uh connecting is just, you know, connecting's for suckers. I want to actually dial in his number. Let's see what we oh, oh, here we go. Very good. Very good. Hello? Hey, Paul, it's Mike. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's going okay. I, I, this is going to sound really weird. Uh, you, you know how Scott and Chris uh, you know, are taking the month off in July for, for basically all of their shows, right? Right, yeah. Well, you know, that, that leaves a hole for Comics Monthly Monday, and I, I tried to see if I could, you know, get out of it too. Not that I really want to, but, you know, it's coming down to a busy time at work. And uh, apparently Dufo just says, I have to do it. He says, I've taken too much sick time recently. And I tried to explain, you know, you know, somebody died. But uh, he's Italian and he doesn't care. So <laughs> he says, We usually throw ourselves into the uh, open casket when we can. <laughs> wow. That's... Uh, that that uh, that I'm sure we offended somebody with that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you'd uh, be willing to do Comics Monthly Monday with me. Ah, uh, sure, yeah. I, I but, think we need uh, a third. 
a third one though. Who, who, yeah, that's what who, I was just who thinking. Think, you, you, who do you think we should get? Uh, what do you think about uh, Andy? Uh, and, well, it's not twelve o'clock midnight, so uh, and and you know you usually have to give him a couple couple weeks notice, and the check has to clear mm. before you know, before he's willing to record. Plus, I don't have a bowl with all red M and M's in it, so. <laughs> Well, let's see. Uh, Bill is recovering from his uh, kidney stone surgery. Yeah. Dave, Dave Atterbury is away with his family. Sean Engel also is away with his family. Yeah, Tom Panaris is down in, in Disney. Well, what about Scott Rifen? Uh, you know, they they record uh, Dinner for Geeks tonight. That's no good. Uh, Professor Allen, maybe. Uh Man, I, I I think he's recovering from some kind of surgery. Oh yeah, well, dropping like, like he had, I think he had the eye surgery. Uh, what about Hero? It's, dude, I don't even have his number. <laughs> it's, 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 he's not showing up online. <sighs> what, what about what about Gene Hendricks? Who? Uh, the new guy that that's like got the the. the the hammer flies or something like that. I, 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 oh, that yeah, that the hammer quantum thingy. Yeah, he's doing a show about Quasar because basically all the other good characters were taken. So, uh, you think you think he'd be willing to do it? Uh, you know what? From what I can tell, he'd be willing to do anything. Okay. okay well, okay. This conversation is just between us. I, I see that he's online, so we're. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to. Buzz yeah. Don't don't tell him I said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell him how much I hate Quasar either. So. Wonder Man's a better character. So let's see. Hello. Hey, Gene. How you doing? Hey, Mike. Yeah, wow, I, great to talk I, to you. Yeah, I, I know we've never spoken before, but I got Paul Spataro on the line, and we uh, we're doing Comics Monthly Monday this this month, and you know we had a very small list of people. You you we topped would, off the list, buddy. Yeah, I mean it was just right there at the top. So you think you'd be willing to come on for Comics oh, Monthly wow. Monday? Uh, Boy, I'm I'm really honored, guys. Be at the top of your list to Comics Monthly Monday. Of course, I'll say yes. That that's an that's amazing. Thank you very much. And welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, the vacation edition. Uh, 
apparently Scott and Chris have uh, decided to take the month off after doing so many commentaries and such over the past couple of months. Apparently Planet of the Apes month really took a lot out of them. But the show must go on. Comics Monthly Monday must go on. I wasn't able to get any vacation time for the show, so here I am. But I am not alone. Uh, We have managed to assemble a ragtag, fun little group to talk with tonight. We have Mr. Paul Spataro. Hello. Uh, Back to the Bins and probably a thousand other shows that he's started up in the meantime. Uh, Uh, Not quite that many. (laughs) And we, and but we I am this- available for all sorts of parties and so, and whatnot uh, at a nominal fee. <laughs> he does balloon animals; they're amazing. <laughs> we also have Gene Hendricks of the Hammer Strikes, and he also does a Quasar podcast that we were just telling him he needs to get cracking on. Hey, Gene. Hey, how's it going, guys? So this is going to be a little different than other episodes of Comics Monthly Monday. We do not have a get Chris to read a goddamn superhero book. Um, we were going to get me to do an, uh, a segment we were going to make up called Get Mike to Read a Goddamn Independent Book, but I just, despite Andrew Leyland so uh, lovingly sending me a book to cover, which looked really interesting. It was a, a Ed one of Ed Brubaker's uh, creator-owned efforts uh, that looked to be kind of a... 70s spy thriller type thing which uh that 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 seems to be like one of his wheelhouses to do stuff in in that that genre i just didn't have time with it but we do have a freaky five that's going to be a lot of fun but before we get to that we got the usual what in the heck has been you've been doing in comics lately so we'll uh start with gene on that well i've recently been reading x-men and i mean old school x-men the uh, Comixology had a sale recently to tie in with the new movie, and I managed to pick up the uh, X-Men numbers 1 through 66. Wow. Mm. Giant size X-Men, and then 94 through 137. So basically... This is, this is all digital copies. This is all digital. That's Unless I have to buy it in a physical copy anymore, I just do the digital. It's just so much easier for me. Right. So, yeah, I, I read from the all-new, all-different X-Men all the way up through the end of the Dark Phoenix saga, and now I'm starting with the old Lee and Kirby stuff, and we're working my way through that. So, I've been doing a lot of back issues recently. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, do you do you have a particular favorite aspect of... Do, do, you, do you prefer Cockroom? Do you prefer Burn? Well, look, the looking on the old X-Men? looking at at all of it so far, I definitely prefer Burn, but I'm predisposed to that anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, some of the Kurt Lee Kirby stuff, and then uh, I'm trying to remember who the artists are after that. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing Neil a blank Adams for a little while. Well, Neil Adams is much later, though. Neil Adams comes mm-hmm. up in the fifties. Uh, you you go through. I think Don Heck has a little bit of a run in there. Uh, some some of it is trippy and some of it's a little boring and uh you got to kind of suffer through a few issues there but but there's some there's some gems mixed in i i was a big fan of that stuff i i when i first started collecting they were in the stage in between the original series and the new one when they were reprinting old ones uh-huh. and i i had gotten very into it at that time uh and you know reading reading the old 
Silver Age stuff, and there's definitely some gems in there. So I, I, I I'd, I'd be interested in hearing what you, your take is on it when you get through the uh, the original run. Yeah, I mean, it's right now. I think I'm up to issue twelve, but it, it's just one of those things where I can read maybe one issue or two issues before I, you know, I always read before I go to bed. So is issue it's twelve, like, the Juggernaut. Uh, it's it's up there. I just I just finished the the two part Juggernaut intro, which was very interesting. You know, uh, then I think you, then I think you get to the intro of the Sentinels next. Yeah, I think the Sentinels is the one I I'm next up to read. But yeah, it, it's just interesting seeing where all this stuff comes from. And I've read old Avengers and Fantastic Four and stuff before, so I I can get myself into the mindset of this is what they were going for. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting read. Uh, knowing Stan's memory problems, especially with names, it's, it's very interesting that he goes from <laughs> Slim Summers to Scott Summers within three issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Took a long time for them to, to revisit the nickname of Slim. Yeah. Uh, especially after Burns started drawing him, and he was pretty beefy. So, and and and, and I don't want to. I don't want my question to be misconstrued as that I don't like Dave Cockrum. I, mm-hmm. res- I respect him as an artist, uh, but for me, on a personal level, in reading, because I remember buying the first two essentials basically as they came out, and that was my first exposure to that era of X Men. Mm. And I liked the. Uh, the Cockrum stuff, and you know, the, he he obviously had a great sense of design. But since Burn is what got me into comics, any you know, to begin with, right? When that stuff started popping up, and I'd read the Dark Phoenix saga, but I'd never read the stuff coming up to that. That's when that series started singing to me. And oh so yeah, I can't. I, I don't know if I can say it like on an objective level that that's when the series got better. But it does seem that Claremont and Burn had a different vibe. Than Cockrum and uh, and, and Claremont. Well, it, it, being artist and writer to being co-plotters, mm-hmm. so it, it, there was a, a lot more back and forth there. So it, that definitely made it onto the page as far as the story and the art and you know where everything was going. I think up until Burn came on, it was more of the classic superhero, you know, this is this is what we're doing this issue, and the next issue we're back to center, and then go over here. And then, you know, and when Byrne came on, it, you had these big arcs of what was happening and all these subplots and, and everything. And one, I, uh, I say I'm predisposed to Byrne partially because of Superman, but also partially because the up until this point, the oldest issue of X-Men I had I don't have the physical copy anymore, uh, being the idiot I am. But when I was in middle school, I had the end of the Proteus storyline. And that, that's just some gorgeous artwork there. Yes, yeah, so that's right before Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, because that's when Mastermind was warping Jean Grey. And mm-hmm. I think the next storyline is where the, she went over to the Hellfire Club. On the positive side, I was buying all of those when they came out new. On the negative side, it makes me old. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that, sir. And I say that because I'm turning 40 in less than two years. Well, I'll so, be there three uh, months before you, Mike. 
So there's nothing wrong with growing old until you start working with people that don't. You know, I can get not understanding my references. It's just when they don't, when something comes up satirical that's making fun of something from the 90s and they're laughing at it, but they're not laughing at it because they understand it contextually, but just because they think it's funny. That's, that's, I don't know why that upsets me more than anything else, but <laughs> it, it really does. I don't know, but, but Scott and I have talked on several occasions about starting the Get Off My Lawn cast. <laughs> <laughs> it's- Come to pass I, I, on, on on at some point. I, I will say this: as somebody who who has worked retail most of his career life, uh, I have made a, a, a solemn vow, uh, much like you know Dick Grayson and you know making a solemn vow to Batman. There was a candle involved uh, that I will never be a certain type of old man, uh, just because I don't want to inflict that upon world as it has been inflicted upon me so that that's that's my goal i don't know whereas i look forward there. to inflicting that on people <laughs> <laughs> you're looking forward to having fun aren't you paul <laughs> I want, you know I, I want it to be i can be as nasty and mean as i want because i'm old yeah that's the only excuse i need you gotta pass because you're old yeah they did, didn't the they do that on seinfeld when uh his uncle leo would just go to the bookstore and take books home and then when, when they'd catch him, he'd just say, I, I was confused. I'm old. <laughs> I never really watched Seinfeld, so I would have... Oh, there's some great little bits like that on there. I could go off on Seinfeld, but that's, mm. it's not that type of party. You got, got anything else fun stuff coming up uh, that you've been into lately, Gene? Uh, well, I recently finished, and I'll be talking about more, this more later, but I recently finished uh, volumes one through four of long time ago omnibuy from of star wars that i got from a certain co-host on this show <laughs> and uh right now my wife is on volume four. Oh, awesome oh that's yeah, well, that's cool that you got her into it well she she reads well comics that she anyway. is into it yeah yeah she she's always read comics uh from you know, not to the extent that i do but she likes Star Trek. She likes Star Wars. She likes comic books. We we have uh, you know good natured back back and forth about you know she prefers Batman. I prefer Superman. So it's you know he, Batman would beat him up. No, Superman would body slam him. I'll show you the cartoon where it happened. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I have I have a wife that. Uh watched cartoons and stuff like that when she was a kid and had an older brother uh unfortunately her older brother would torture her which is why she doesn't like to watch the rocketeer uh which is uh a little ah. sad on my part but she uh <laughs> my wife is the voice of reason when it comes to these things she's mm-hmm. the one that 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 will ask questions of me that I would never think of because of certain things that I just accept as fact because right, like, like, how could Superman that? be dating a mermaid? Yeah, exactly. That, 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 that's probably <laughs> the best. Thing. In fact, that's what I'm going to call it. It's the Superman dating a mermaid effect. Where, no, seriously, there, there are things that we as comic book fans, because we've been doing it for so long, and have been so indoctrinated into that world, that when someone's just like, what's that all about? You actually have to sit there and think for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Just... You never had to justify it before, so there, like you don't even realize it's silly. Yeah, right? it's just like well, that that that's how it's always been. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, he 
Batman had a dog and he wore a mask and had a secret identity, <laughs> ostensibly to protect you know his loved ones from you know the the bag. I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, you would recognize the dog because he had this white mark on his forehead. <laughs> I mean, Crypto had a secret identity. He'd put a brown patch of stain <laughs> on his back, and that was Crypto's secret identity. <laughs> what? Not before he was neutered. <laughs> you see, and that's why you you have to keep your recording room close to wherever Rachel's hanging. <laughs> Just get her a second microphone. <laughs> but uh, no, you're fine. It's okay, baby. <laughs> She's gone crazy, but that's okay. But I am glad they went, like I said, I am glad they went to a good home service. Glad you're enjoying them. I'm glad they arrived in one piece because I don't trust the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> no, they came fine. Yeah, pretty much exactly how I expected them to. So, but that's that's basically it. That's all I've been been up to. I mean, most most of the time I'm trying to avoid watching My Little Pony and Strawberry Shortcake. So, the life of a father of a five year old. <laughs> <laughs> the, the life of a husband whose wife watches those shows. So I'm with you there. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, I do appreciate the, the nods to Star Wars that they have in My Little Pony. I, I would never call myself a brony, and believe me, if if I was, I would just go ahead and say it because right. I'm not going to really care what anybody says if I am or not. <laughs> but watching that show with my wife, yes, there are some episodes that are pretty much geared for the demographic that it's aimed at. Mm -hmm. But when they actually get the mythology episodes, for lack of a better term, and there's like, you know, the ongoing story was, was actually kind of good. And I kind of enjoyed it. And you had John Delancey as uh, one of the bad guys. Yep. Uh, and he, he was part of a, I watched a documentary on the logo channel. It was a one hour documentary on bronies mm -hmm. and he did like little bits for it where he was explaining in kind of musical form, different aspects of brony culture. And I think those are on YouTube actually. And that's when I found out that there are military bronies. And I, I just got to think that you don't want to make fun of bronies when you're doing it in front of the Marine bronies. <laughs> Because that's just not going to end well for you. Right. But, um, but uh, I, I, I honestly, I, like I said, I am by no means a brony, mm -hmm. but I don't think people should give that show as much crap as they do because it's actually very well written for kids. Yes. Uh, so I, I've never watched the show. I've never, ever seen it. So I can't, I can't pass judgment on whether it is or is not clever or whether it's, you know, what it is. But it just... I don't know, just the whole idea of grown men watching that coming from a guy who sits and reads comic books at 51 years old still just doesn't seem right to me. I don't know. I don't understand now, the culture. Now, Strawberry Shortcake is the uh, the epic tale of the one woman in town that knows what she's doing and all of her friends are morons. Yes. Uh, so that, that's, that's pretty much the extent of that. So, yep. you know... That's why it's on earlier in the day, I think. <laughs> well, what do you got, Paul? 
Uh, well, I got two things, uh, one of which is steeped in anger, so I'll get to that second. Uh, the, the first one is just, uh, I was listening to a show, I could not tell you off the top of my head which one it was, but they started doing a review of the Son of Batman video that just came out, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched that yet, uh, but I just started thinking about how cool it would be if, or how cool it would have been if they were doing these shows back in the 70s and 80s when, uh, you know, when I was in my heyday of collecting and, you know, if they were doing the storylines that went then, because now they're never going to reach back to those stories from 40 years ago because they're trying to get a current audience. They have to do what they think is cool and happening now. Uh, but I started, started thinking in my mind, it would be a real cool freaky five to start thinking like, what are the top five storylines you would like to see adapted into an animated, uh, feature? And, and that would be very different from what five shows would you like to see in, as a feature movie? Because, you know, animation versus live action is obviously very different. Uh, you're talking about a one-hour format as opposed to a 90 to two-and-a-half-hour format, 90 minutes to two-and-a-half hours. But I started thinking, you know, would, how cool it would be to see, you know, the Kree scroll War put onto a... Uh, in, in, into an animated feature or the, the Avengers Defenders War mm-hmm. well, actually I have to correct myself Steve Englehart does not like it to be called that the Avengers Defenders Clash uh, to see <laughs> uh, yes he, he doesn't like it to be called War I, I believe he, uh, he the he Avengers is a, Defenders Police Action Yes. Uh, in fact, in fact, it's funny because one of my first podcasting uh, endeavors was that I was on uh, the Comic Book Page podcast, and we did uh, the Avengers Defenders Clash. And uh, I had sent Steve Englehart a message telling him that we had done it, and he sent back a message saying, "Just the fact that you called it that and not the war shows me you know what you're talking about. I'm going to have to listen to this." He never did get back to me. And, and tell me what he thought of the podcast, but but he did send me that back, which I thought was kind of cool. But it, just thinking, like you know, some of those classic stories, Jim Starlin's Warlock stuff, uh, you know, the the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, you know, mm. Crisis on Infinite Earths, so many things uh, that I would love to see. I remember they talked about doing the uh, the the Judas contract with the Teen Titans, which would be as close to something along the lines of what I'm talking about as uh, as they would have come. But then they. Uh, they scrapped it because it doesn't have Superman and Batman in it. Yes, and that, that was one of the first ones they announced back when they first started doing these things. I, I you noticed a real tonal shift when Bruce Tim kind of stepped down as the producer. Oh yeah, of these things because now they are trying to be more synergistic with the new Fifty Two. And to be fair, that's that's smart for them because it's you know it's what they're trying to push in the comics so it kind of makes sense if you're going to try to you know get the audience that maybe buys the DVDs but doesn't read the comics you know to kind of check it out the problem is uh I really didn't like Justice League War yeah I I heard your uh, discussion on that and I mean I like you know I went back recently and reread basically all of Jeff Johns's Justice League run from the New 52 and it's kind of funny that the movie was so bad I liked the comic better just be I mean almost because of that wow mm. but and and it was you know they, they they did pretty much the same things but I think trying to go in that direction and trying to make it like 
I just thought they were doing things just to do it, you know, mm-hmm. just to show that they're different. And I, I can understand that they're kind of running out of sacred cows to adapt. I mean, I think all they really had left was Kingdom Come. Really. Well, but you, you, could, you could easily make an argument that if you took some real you know, classic storylines from the 70s, from the 60s, from the 80s, and and adapted them, it's probably easier to get a non-comic buyer to pick up a trade paperback of storylines like that than it is to get them to just all of a sudden start collecting comics. That's true. Mm. Uh, I, You know, I but I agree with you. It would be neat to see certain storylines... I think that's why I love the old Marvel comics, you know, Marvel superheroes uh, cartoons. As bad as the Grant Ray Lawrence animation was, they were actually adapting stories from the comics, you know, pretty much directly from the comics. Yeah, I, <laughs> the uh, comic shop I go to, I have to ask him how much they are. He somehow got his hands on like all of those VHS tapes that were released in the nineties of that oh, kind of ow. stuff. Uh, so I have to see if, because I still have a working VCR. Uh, and, and they're not releasing that stuff on DVD as of yet, so I mean, you can get it in other means, mm. but I've really kind of uh, not for any philosophical reason that I'm not judging anybody, I just have stopped doing that kind of thing uh, just for my own personal reasons, but um, but no, I, I would like it, it, it's kind of a tough call to make because you're, you're telling a major media corporation you know, you know that thing that's been working out for you? Yeah, you need to kind of go away from that. But mm-hmm. I don't know what the sales were on Justice League War. I have no interest in Son of Batman. I have even less interest in the Arkham one that's coming out soon. And the one after that's going to be Throne of Atlantis. And my question there is, how do you adapt Throne of Atlantis? Because it all seems to be from the same universe now. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because the voice actors are all the same. How do you do voice uh, Throne of Atlantis when Aquaman was not part of the Justice League? Because one of the great things... Uh, did you either of you read Throne of Atlantis in the comics? No, I have it all, in my two-read file. Was, I heard the descriptions on the Fire and Water podcast. That's it. <laughs> it was... It was really good. and But the the emotional crux of that story is that Aquaman has been part of the Justice League all this time, and now his brother is invading the surface world. Mm. So if you don't have that, I'm kind of wondering how they're going to pull it off. I mean, I'm sure visually you can do it, because it's, it's, it's a very visual story. Once you have the invasion and the war going on, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of punchy-punchy run-run, But as Thomas G.J. would say. <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you're going to hook somebody and get them emotionally invested in the story, I'm kind of confused on how they're going to do that. Because that's not a story I would want to introduce Aquaman with. No. No, Aquaman no they, They'd be better be off going with the first couple of issues of the uh, new 52 series. Well, that's what they did with War, so... Yeah, except they well. replaced Aquaman with Shazam. Yeah. Mm. Which was an odd choice, but, you know, whatevs. Well, it's, it's just to piss off Rob Kelly. <laughs> I st- I, don't, I don't even like the choice of calling him Shazam or the no, Captain me Hulk. neither. The, their reasoning on it is just like, well, no one really knows who Captain Marvel is, so it doesn't matter. And it's just like that's not a reason to. Okay, whatever. You guys do what you want. You've been screwing this character, and I'm not trying to be negative, but they've been screwing that character up ever since. 
Ever Go ahead, be right negative. After Infinite Crisis. Because yeah. the Jerry Ordway series was good. And I liked what Jeff Johns was doing with Captain Marvel and Black Adam and JSA. Yes. But it's but it seemed like after Infinite Crisis, they had no idea what to do with those characters. What was... I mean, they, they had uh, Captain Marvel Jr. become Captain Marvel... Yeah, and what was that? The the trials of Shazam. That, yeah, it was a twelve issue uh, maxi series, and then he was that for a little while. And then and then Billy Batson became the uh, the wizard. The wizard, right? Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah that's good. although I think they 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 re- I thought they did very well with Captain Marvel on uh, Justice League Unlimited. Oh yeah, that was a great great introduction of the character there. See, and that's the forum actually where they could do these adaptations on a, on a regular, you know, weekly TV series. And they and you know they did at least in like in the X Men series they adapted some of the older stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Spider Man's series they adapted some older stories, so it can be done. Oh yeah, well Justice League was doing that a lot. I mean, they it was, you know, obviously wasn't 100%, but they they worked in exile with Superman and that was mm-hmm. one when I saw them doing that, it was I'm pretty sure you felt the same way, Mike, is just holy crap, they're doing this. Wonderful. Yeah, I was I was I was like, wow, are they is Draga? That's that's Draga. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. They have animated Draga. Okay, it looks really different from the comics, but that doesn't matter, right? Because, I mean, because they're doing this storyline and 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 they're hitting all the major beats of it without having Superman, you know, kill General Zod and his friends and, and, and <laughs> exile him into space. Because God knows that'll stir up controversy. Mm. He said snarkily, <laughs> which is not a word I realize. But no, I'm with you, Paul. I would I would like to see a Kingdom Come animated film. Or oh, two. I think you would have to split that up. I don't think you could do Crisis all in one. Uh, you you couldn't yeah. do it justice in an hour. No way. Yeah. No, not all. But you know, even you could I you have... could do a, a weekly TV series and do an entire season and do Crisis. Mm-hmm. And you could do it really well. But you know, Marvel's tied up with uh, their little animated universe on Disney XD. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate the fact that they're connected. And, like, basically, if you hear Hulk in Avengers, it's the Hulk from Agents of Smash. And it's the Hulk you'll hear on Ultimate Spider-Man. So I like that consistency, but now they're about to do something really weird with ulti- with that Spider-Man cartoon. Well, what are they uh, doing? I hadn't heard. They're doing, like, all the... They, they have a series coming up in Marvel where it's, like, m- multiple versions of Spider-Man are all appearing in the series. And they're doing something like that with the animated show as well. So... It, Huh. I think we're going to get an animated Spider-Man 2099, which if we that's do, cool. I'm perfectly okay with. Yeah. So that's are, cool. Are they basically they're basically doing what they did in the video game, where you have the four different Spider-Men all trying to, you know, solve this one problem? I I have not really researched it that much. Okay. So. It, it that's just what sound it sounds like to me from the description, because 2099 was one of those Spider-Men in the video game. I never played that one, but I really wanted to. Yeah, I, I've never played it. I've just I've seen so many articles and videos about it. Yeah, I still I've played a grand total of two hours of 
Batman Arkham Origins, and I got the game like three months ago. Because you know, anytime the PlayStation turns on, it's like, oh, Daddy, can I play Disney Infinity? Yeah, fine, here. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my video game days pretty much ended when my son discovered video games myself. And he's 17 <laughs> now, so... Oh, he's almost 17, so it's been a while. Never got your Atari back, huh? Uh, well, when he... When he took over ownership of all video game properties within the home, uh, we were on the Sega Genesis at that point. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I never had that. I, I went straight from the NES to a PlayStation 1. <laughs> that's quite the jump, sir. Oh, that's, that's called me being cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the PlayStation. That's funny, I have that at my house, too. <laughs> I didn't get the PlayStation until I saw it. Well, this Final Fantasy game is cool. I got to play that. All right. What else you got, so, sir? So well, well, my, my other thought, now, now we'll get to my angry rant, which actually it's very short. Uh, I was very disappointed uh, and, and, you know, bitter to my soul uh, that uh, I put in my application for my press pass at the New York Comic Con and was denied. Now, that's after getting a press pass two years in a row, so I really don't understand the logic of it. Uh, so it, it bothered me some, and I insulting you know i feel like oh I, I do a show every week and you know we have a pretty decent audience and how come i'm uh, getting denied here uh to the point where i started thinking screw them now i'm not going to go to their show uh and it, it only took me a day or so to get over it and say you know well, i'm cutting off my nose to spite my face and i ended up going online and i ordered some tickets for it but the crux of the story is uh, making some plans to meet up with some of the two true freaks uh, faithful at New York Comic Con. I'm, I'm expecting to be there on Thursday afternoon with my kids, and then Friday, possibly with a buddy or two, possibly solo. Already talking with uh, Dave Pascarella, Dario Gonzalez, Jose Herrera, and Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, about meeting up on Friday, going out, getting a beer, hanging out. So any more of the two true freaks faithful who think they might be there on Friday, uh, contact us through the Facebook page. Let us know. We're going to start making some plans, and hopefully uh, we can have a little uh, TTF get-together at Comic-Con. And then you will storm the place and take over. And then, and then, we, then we find whoever's in charge, and we beat them senseless for not giving me a press pass. <laughs> I'll give you my contact in the 501st for backup. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I I got I got turned down for a well, what, uh, too, so Gene, you're in you're in uh you're in Jersey? Yep. South Jersey. Are you uh I know it's a trek, but uh, any thoughts that you're going to be there? Not really. I went once and it's a little too crowded. <laughs> uh, uh yes, that is a problem. I'm not denying that for a second. Yeah, and in fact there the uh there's one con that I just saw advertised recently uh, that is going to be happening in May of next year, uh, AC Boardwalk Con in Atlantic City at the convention center. And that looks like it's, it's going to be on the smaller side, but it's going to be big enough that they, like, they'll have decent celebrities there. And like having, Stan it Lee. Atlantic, having it in Atlantic City is definitely a draw for celebrities, too. Yeah. So I actually contacted them, and we're going to see about getting a uh, two true freaks 
the uh, the small press era. Well, I have yet to hear back from them, but because it's just a startup, maybe we'll uh, we'll be able to sneak our way in there. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, Atlantic City is. I'm actually going to Atlantic City at the end of the month. I'm not sure how long of a drive it is for me. I think it's about three hours. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, from is about right. Because I used to live in Keensburg in Monmouth County, which I could see Staten Island from from uh, like the street over from my house. Well, from my house to Staten Island with no traffic at all is about forty five minutes. Right, and from that from that point on the Parkway down to Atlantic City would have been about an hour and a half, hour forty five. All right, yeah, so about three hours. For you. Yeah. If you can give and myself it, half an hour to get. Right. Yeah, so I'm checking into that, see see about, you know, what we what we can do that way. You know, maybe meet some people, uh spread the word, you know, print up some of those uh patriotic flyers with uh, Scott Gardner's face on them and hand them out. <laughs> Listen to us or he will come and get you. Yes, because threatening is the best way to get an audience. <laughs> What was it? Wasn't where it was like do such and such, or I'm going to shoot this dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. is that National Lampoon? That was National yeah. Lampoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there was an issue of Justice League Europe, uh, where they had for a long time Power Girl's cat that nobody liked, and they had a gun pointed to the cat's head, and it said, uh, "Do buy this book, or we won't shoot this cat." <laughs> <laughs> Porn cat. So, you got anything else, Paul? No, that was all I had. My my venom is done <laughs> for now. Yeah, until the next topic comes up. <laughs> well, everybody that I know that has read the book has told me in in various ways. Some that could be misconstrued as a threat, uh, but I don't want to take it that way. Uh, told me that I should check out the new 52 Wonder Woman. And I found a lot on eBay of the first three trades that was extremely cheap. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I got it, as a matter of fact. And I got that a, uh, about a month ago. I finally went through, and I'm reading through them right now, and I've gotten through the first two trades. And I can see why people are enjoying this book. And but... <laughs> and, and to be fair, I am not a fan of Brian Azzarello's work that I've read. But again, to be fair, I have only really read his Superman work. So I've never read 100 Bullets and some of the other stuff that he's done that uh, that apparently, from what I understand, is very good. Uh, I've just hated him handling Superman. So it's kind of put a sour taste in my mouth with the with the writer. This is a very interesting take on Wonder Woman, and uh, Thomas DJ has referred to Brian Azzarello in the past as, Brian, if my HBO went out, I wouldn't have anything to write about Azzarello. <laughs> and I was gonna, I was hoping to read Wonder Woman and, and, and be able to say that's not the case. This feels like somebody turned Wonder Woman into an HBO series. It, it, no, but, but, but the thing is, it's good. Okay. I, it's just not for me. And and, and okay. I think th- that's an important distinction. Something could be good, mm-hmm. but not to my particular tastes. 
And I'm going to read the, the third uh, trade because, one, I bought it, and two, you know, the, the story has kind of gotten me, and he's... I, I will say this, as a writer, he gets you at the end of that sixth issue to make you want to read the next storyline. But he has delved very deep into the myth- the mythological aspect of Wonder Woman and where she comes from. You know, the Apollo is there, Hermes is there. Well, in, in this series, she's actually a child of Zeus. She wasn't created from clay, right? Yeah, and I thought that was going to turn me off. And mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent, it does. But the, the explanation they gave was good enough or the way they did it they didn't what i thought it was going to be was oh that's stupid here's what here's what's really happened no it was more of just a matter of fact aspect of the story and because it was played like that i didn't have a problem with it you know it was you know i i kind of had a problem with the amazons three times a century going up on ships and having sex with all the men there and then killing them and basically getting rid of all the boy children as soon as they're born but at the same time it's just like well that's that's kind of like what the amazons did but mm-hmm. what it drove home for me is that while this is an excellent take on wonder woman that isn't really for me it made me realize that i prefer you know i i don't mind the mythology being there but i prefer a more super heroic wonder woman it's like she's not really fighting the cheetah in the, or Silver Swan or Dr. Psycho in these stories. It's all to do with the gods. So there's a lot of action, there's a lot of intrigue, there's plot twists, but she's not really going up against anybody from her standard rogues gallery. And the other thing is, is that this Wonder Woman and the Wonder Woman from Justice League and the Wonder Woman from Superman Wonder Woman don't really mesh well together. Superman Wonder Woman a bit, but this, the Wonder Woman in Justice League, or in the stories that Jeff Johns has done so far, really doesn't jibe with the Wonder Woman Pride Azarello's reading. So that's it's kind of weird to be in the same universe and not really seeing a connection between the, the two versions of the characters. And that says to me something like a lack of editorial oversight. Either that or it's just one writer doesn't want to play in the sandbox that the other writer is. Well, but yeah. that's that's editorial's job to get them to play nice. Yeah. And I there should there should be at least a, a meeting of the minds on what character they're going to present. Well, to be fair, I think more people are are reading Justice League than than Wonder Woman as a title. But again, it's getting a lot of critical acclaim and it deserves it. I was put off uh by some of the cover copy on the first trade on the back that was very kind of derisive towards any other version of Wonder Woman ever. Uh, You know, it's just like, finally a Wonder Woman book you'll want to read. And I'm just like, really? Because, you know, I thought George Perez did a pretty good Uh Wonder Woman book. (laughs) I was just about to say that. I thought Greg Rucka and John Byrne, you know, and they're all, you know, Phil Jimenez, you know, they're all different takes on the same character. But they're all good. So now to be, f- <laughs> to, to say that I've read a lot of bronze age wonder woman would be a lie. So <laughs> I, I haven't, I, I, I understand from the fire and water podcast that it's the worst thing ever, except when Frank apparently takes up for it. So, 
And some of that stuff's actually getting out in trade. They've got the the Diana Prince Wonder Woman trades. I actually get a kick out of that when she renounced her powers and was karate white suit wearing Wonder Woman. When she turned into Emma Peel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, basically. It's it's I can't say it's nothing good. (laughs) I can't say it's good, but it is it's just fun. It's silver age fun. Mm. And then I, I guess gonna... it's Bronze Age, but it really is Silver Age. So I will recommend it. You know, at least at least pick up the first trade and see if you like it. Uh, I I don't know if I want to stick stick with it, but then again, at, at the same time, Azarello is leaving towards the end of the year, uh, and David Finch and his wife are taking over the character, uh, which will be interesting because I'm not a really big fan of David Finch's art anymore, thanks to Forever Evil. Um, I just thought he was the wrong artist for that series, but it's just interesting to have finally read what everyone is telling me is brilliant, recognizing why they say it's brilliant, and still at the end of the day going, eh, not for me. <laughs> what has been for me, and and I'm I'm gonna recommend another New Fifty Two thing, is Superman Doomed is better than I think anyone ever expected it was going to be. Because the Superman titles in the New 52 have not been good, consistent, or consistently good. Uh, is the best way I said there There have been bright spots along the way, but mm-hmm. overall it's been like almost three years of me going, would you guys, you know, <laughs> I feel like the, like, uh, Simon Pegg's roommate in Shaun of the Dead, you know, sort your life out, mate. (laughs) Get it together. But Doomed is coming on Greg Pak writing action comics. And Greg Pak has been doing an amazing job with action comics. And it, it's not them doing the death of Superman in the new 52. It's not that at all. In fact, in the first issue, Superman and Doomsday fight, and Superman basically rips him in half at the end of the battle. But this infects him with the virus that created Doomsday, and now he is slowly turning into it. Hmm. So oh, that, he's That's fighting. an interesting take. Yeah. So he's fighting against that while his friends, including Batman, and in the New 52, Batman and Superman are played very much as good friends which is very refreshing let me tell you uh, but you know in Wonder Woman and Batman and now uh, his, his Supergirl has gotten into it as a Red Lantern because that's what she's doing right now but there's this whole side thing with Steel and Lana Lang I mean it's 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 been a very interesting story there's only been one clunky chapter in my opinion but overall I've really been enjoying it and it's kind of cool that Pretty much across the board, I'm liking... I haven't read Jeff Johns' first issue of Superman yet. It's actually the next one on the stack. Uh, But it's just kind of nice to be in a position where I'm like, you know, it's not my Superman, but at least I'm Mm -hmm. enjoying what I'm reading. That's good. I I think they're doing a pretty good job with it. Uh, (laughs) I have not watched them yet, but if you... uh, I found mine at Walmart, but you can order them on Amazon through the Two True Freaks site if you really want to they have finally released seasons two and three of the new adventures of superman the filmation animated series and they oh, wow. finally put out the 60s filmation adventures of batman series on dvd 
so, <laughs> so pretty much right now, except for the Superboy stuff, you can find all of the DC Filmation animated stuff on DVD. Including the Justice League series that I didn't know existed until a few years ago. Well, the, that was part with with Aquaman mm-hmm. and Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And there was a Hawkman, there was a Green Lantern, there was an Adam, yes. and there was a Flash. Where they... Yes. Her- but there was also Teen Titans. Yes. Uh, and, and they're all, uh, I believe they're all narrated or... Uh, the intros are all done by uh, Ted Knight. Yes. They are. Yep. <laughs> and it's really weird because at the end of every one of them, he says, you'll get nothing in like it. I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> I'm just really confused by that. I, I just, I don't understand. It's very strange. Oh, I, I just, in, in my mind, there are many, many conversations that are punctuated with, meanwhile, in the halls of justice. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, it's kind of funny, because the New 52 has been such an up-and-down ride with me, uh, and I'm I'm still not 100% on board with it, but it it is kind of interesting that every once in a while I'll find something that I like. (laughs) And it's just like, well, I guess I can't complain. I mean, uh, Wendy's recently, uh, because it wouldn't be Comics Monthly Monday if we didn't talk about food. But uh, (laughs) Wendy's recently had a Superman-Wonder Woman thing going on. Uh, and I got the comic. I haven't read it yet, but it looks like a lot of fun. It has a has a shirt rip in it. I was shocked. Uh, but that was written by Josh Elder, who has been doing a lot of the... Uh, did a lot of, like, the Batman Adventures and the Batman Strikes Adventures books and that mm. kind of thing. Really good writer. Uh, but it's just... It's kind of cool that I could roll up to Wendy's, and instead of it being a Batman thing, it was Superman and Wonder Woman. I mean, that's. It almost seems like it's kind of random, but at the same time, again, it's really cool because while I have grown to accept Superman's costume, I think Wonder Woman's costume in the new 52 is probably one of the best she's ever had. It looks so good mm-hmm. uh, to me. I, I, I wish they would have kept the pants because I like her in pants, but, you know, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to pull that trigger at all. <laughs> No, well, you, you know, female superheroes are not allowed to wear pants. That's a rule. It was written down. I think. I think the Supreme yeah. Court recently ruled. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a controversial decision. It was in the newspaper, but then it got overshadowed by another ruling that they <laughs> handed down recently. So you know, because because the man doesn't want you knowing what's going on in comics. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I'm going to say this, uh, I have not seen a single comic book film this year, just for various reasons, but, uh, I'm kind of excited that Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out soon, because everything I've seen from it looks awesome. Yeah, I have the, uh, TV on muted as we're recording, and at one point, you know, one of, one of several times where I get easily distracted, uh, there was a commercial for it that came on, and I just... My eyes were glued to the set, so I'm I'm very uh, I'm I'm I think they're presenting it at least in the commercials as just being good fun. Yeah, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's just have fun, and uh, that's what I'm looking for. And I, you know, at this point with the the Marvel movies, I think they'll they'll deliver on it. Oh yeah, yeah. They've uh, 
I mean, they've 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 got a pretty good track record by this point. So, and it's they, a completely they, different direction for them. You know, yeah. it's it's now it, they're not trying to top Winter Soldier. They're going completely, really completely goofy from everything I've seen so far, and that's that's refreshing. We need that every now and again. Well, just having hooked on a feeling being the. Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the, the music that they're playing in the commercials and everything is really setting a totally different tone. And I, th- I agree with you. I think it's smart to not just try and play a game of can you top that every time out? Because sooner or later you're going to fail. Right. But if you try to let each, pro- you know, each project breathe on its own and take on a life of its own, you, you got a shot. As long as, you know, you're trying to go for good quality. And, and, you know, the big thing is that I think they've focused on all of these movies. They haven't been willing to say, all right, we're just going to show some good special effects and that'll carry the day. Every one of them, I think they've gone out of the way to make sure they had a good script ready. Oh, definitely. Yes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But that's pretty much all I've got. It's been kind of a quiet... Uh, quiet few months comic book wise with me I've just been kind of reading some old stuff uh, wherever my magpie sensibilities uh, you know drift me in in whatever direction but uh, it's coming up between, to the end of the year. Uh, I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead I was going to say, between uh, X-Men month and, and Planet of the Apes month, I've been uh, doing a lot of homework with my comic reading <laughs> That's two very different universes too. So I feel bad for you. <laughs> no, it's it's been a, a tremendous amount of fun to be honest with you. I've loved doing both of them, and I, I hope I hope when people listen to the shows that that comes across that that you know that that I do really enjoy doing it and everything. Uh, but it does, especially when you have something more intensive like the Planet of the Apes month, where you where we're reading quite a few issues. It does take away from my ability to just go out and issue that doesn't fit the genre well that that's the danger of any kind of con- uh, of any kind of podcasting really because mm-hmm. uh, at what point you know do you read something and say i'm just reading this for fun and, and not think in the back of your head you know am i reading this to uh so that one day i will podcast about it because you know we are allowed to read stuff and not podcast about it okay? <laughs> I didn't think that for a couple years there, but recently I've realized that I don't have to talk about it. But man, I can't talk about it on Facebook because everyone thinks that I'm going to start up a new podcast. <laughs> and you'd look a hole in my head. So. <laughs> I was reading Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Are you starting a Spectacular Spider-Man podcast? <laughs> I'm sure that would be entertaining, but no. <laughs> How much time do you think I have? If somebody else starts it up, let me know. I'll be happy to listen. I'll play the trailer, you know. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, frequent uh, emailer to many of the Two True Freak shows and several non-Two True Freak shows, uh, Russell Bragg has uh, started a podcast. He's got three episodes out on uh, DC Comics Presents. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, Glad that he's done it because he's uh, he certainly has been a prof- prolific uh, letter hack to, mm-hmm. to various shows. So it's always great to see somebody that you're used to seeing in the email uh, that you receive start up shows like Paul Spataro and Gene Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gene Hendricks, who decided to give me a hard time in the middle of work one day. <laughs> I am mean for it to be in the middle of work. <laughs> I know, sir. I'm just giving you... I'm just busting your chops on that. I didn't hear. I didn't mean to give you a hard time, though. <laughs> no, you didn't hear that. That was pretty much the intent. Okay, there you go. Made you laugh, though, didn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it made me laugh because you were talking about something that happened four years ago. So, I only started listening to podcasts recently, all right? I'm catching up. And now you're addicted. Right now I'm now on season three. Because that, that's how it works. That's how it works, mm-hmm. sir. You start listening, and then you're like, I can do that. And then you yeah. do it, and then you're stuck. <laughs> Especially with social media being what it is, and you start becoming friends with the people who are podcasting, and then you basically take it to the no- next level by becoming one of us. One of us. <laughs> we That's are what I children. did. We are the children of the future. <laughs> <laughs> so we're We are take- podcasters of Borg. <laughs> <laughs> you will be assimilated. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have got a fun vacation-themed Freaky Five. My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a back to the men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need to mine, or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have mine, you have yours. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it will be used to you at a particular time, and then if you go out of that, it scrambles to uh, a and it doesn't fast enough so it's better to just set it up oh, okay it, it really doesn't work well so i checked right. uh i checked my uh mm-hmm. my pr- okay. it definitely built build me for the hotel for all three of us join back to the bins every week for goodness solomon grunder hate voiceovers hi i'm gene Hendricks. you may remember me from such shows as the hammer podcasts and the quantum cast I'd like to tell you about some special shows that I'm doing with some of your favorite podcasters. These shows are all about the live-action versions of comic book characters, and I'm calling them... Legends of the Superheroes! In each episode, we'll be looking at a different TV show or movie featuring characters like... Wonder Woman! Dr. David Banner... And let's not forget about the non-superheroes, such as... Swamp Thing! Captain William Buck Rogers! And many more. Look for the Legends of the Superheroes specials under the Hammer Podcasts at twotruefreaks.com.
Alrighty, folks, we are back with Comics Monthly Monday, and we have our Freaky Five, and we kind of bandied about what we were going to talk about, but given the vacation going on in the Two True Freaks Network right now, we thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five vacation comics. And these are the books that you've read, that we read while on vacation as a kid, as an adult, you know, all over the place. But uh, we're going to go first with, we went first with Gene last time. So, Paul, why don't you start with yours? Okay, well, I took it as a little bit of a challenge to be at least somewhat creative with this, as opposed to just picking the five books that I took with me to Disneyland. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. I, I broke it down by decades. I figured one, one vacation per decade. Uh, so in the 1970s, when I got into reading comics, I remember going on vacation and bringing with me my copies of Origins of Marvel Comics and Sons of Origins. Nice. And they were brand at the time, and I must have read each of those, oh, I don't know, a million times. Then in the 1980s, I remember being on vacation at some point and bringing with me the Marvel Special Edition reprints on the high-quality paper of the Kree-Skrull War. Ooh. Ooh. Very nice. In the 1990s, that was a little bit of a more... uh, more uh, difficult decade to come up with because I got married in the 1990s and for the first couple of vacations I really wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have the ability to bring comic books with me but by the end of the decade we, we were on board with it and I brought with me uh, Kevin Smith's run on Daredevil okay. in the choice. yeah, that, uh, I, remember, I remember I think that was the point and, you know for anybody who doesn't know, I was married. I'm not married anymore. Uh, but I remember sitting there reading them, and I was getting really into them, and my wife at the time looking over and saying, I can't believe you're sitting there reading comics. And, you know, technically that's not why I'm not married anymore, but you never know. <laughs> uh, in the 2000s, I discovered that one of the libraries in Nassau County, and if you live in Nassau County, you're able to go to any of the libraries, has an incredibly good trade paperback section. So before going on vacation, I took out, I think it was three different volumes, uh, which encompassed a good chunk of Jeff John's run on the JSA and brought it with me on vacation, and I enjoyed the heck out of that. To me, that may be Jeff John's best stuff. Finally, last year when I went to Disney, uh, I brought with me the two trade paperbacks of uh, JMS's run on Thor. So that's Paul's Vacations Through the Decades. How was JMS's run on Thor? Because I'm hot and cold with him as a writer. Much like a lot of JMS's stuff. Starts off very well and then just kind of peters out at the end. Now, in this one, I think there's a little bit of an excuse to it because uh, that was about the time when Siege went on. Mm -hmm. And apparently he had some major problems with the editorial mandates uh, of what what they were requiring him to do compared to what he had planned out for the series. So he ended up walking at the end. So, 
you know, well. he, he didn't have time to peter out the way he normally does. <laughs> it wasn't his plan petering out. Okay. But, uh, As opposed to his run on Superman where he just started off writing crap. Well, my, my major problem with, with his run is he brought back Donald Blake. I don't like Donald Blake. <laughs> There's no reason for Donald Blake beyond the 60s. One of the best things Walt Simonson ever did was to get rid of the damn character, and he brings him back. Ugh. See, see, I wanted them to bring him back, but as a separate guy that calls Thor through the hammer, and then they <laughs> then they fight the Hulk. Is that, wow. Spill, spill Bixby in that? Yes. Yeah, well, hopefully. You know, I mean, he's dead, but, you know, we, I'm sure we can make something work. <laughs> CGI Bill Bixby. <laughs> CGI Bill Bixby. Who still oh, gets man. more ass than a toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> What's your list, Gene? Well, I had uh, a couple things. Four of them are comics that I've read on vacation, and one is something that was actually bought on vacation. Uh, the first one is some, well, it's actually issues one and three of a three issue miniseries. I never could find issue two from Topps Comics called The Frankenstein Dracula War, written by Roy Thomas. That makes sense. It was, it was very, very good going back to the literary roots of everything. So the monster is eight feet tall with jaundiced skin stretched too tight over his muscles and long black hair, just like Adam Mary Shelley. And the whole thing is the meeting between the two. They end up, they discover they can't kill each other, go their separate ways, and it sets up the novel Dracula. And it's, it's really good. Uh, that's one of the ones I brought down to Disney with a, with us this year. The other thing I brought to Disney was the Star Wars Omnibus. Mm. Specifically, Volume 2 is the, one of the ones I read down there. And that, yes, it has the ballad of Cody Sunchild in it. But <laughs> beyond that hipster douchebag, we have Droid World, which is one of the... Uh, Books on tape I still have from when I was a kid, and I've, I had never read it as an actual comic book, but I can't help but hear the guy's voice in my head when I, when I read this, and Archer Dito will tell you to turn the page when he sounds like this. <laughs> uh, the next two are actually comics that I read on vacation if you want to call it a vacation, at Boy Scout Camp. And this was in the 90s, the early 90s, so uh, I was among the the higher-ups in, in the troop. I was, I think I was like this, either senior patrol leader, junior assistant scoutmaster or something. Uh, and for you, those of you not in Boy Scouts, I spat a bunch of gibberish. But the first one is Green Lantern number one from 1990. And this is where uh, Hal Carradine, I mean, Jordan, starts his walk across the country to find himself. And it also, 
<laughs> it also sets the groundwork for Mosaic, because this is where uh, John Stewart goes, and you know, he's he's troubled by being a Green Lantern, not being able to help everybody. Goes to Oa and finds the Mad Guardian, and then Mosaic comes out of all that. The other one, and you know, as you can probably guess, it's a Quasar comic. Woohoo! Quasar issue number two, actually, because issue number one was here's everything that's ever happened with Quasar up until he disappeared five years ago. Quasar issue two actually starts the ongoing narrative where he learns he's the protector of the universe and he fights the uh, we're going to make fun of Jack Kirby's Black Racer character Death Urge. But that that's that's a really great one. That comics actually. But the top one, and this is one that was bought on a family vacation in Lancaster, PA, went to visit Amish country, and believe it or not, in Amish country, there is a comic book shop. (laughs) But this is one my dad bought for me, actually. It is Creepy from 1964. Say, Say that one more time, Creepy what? Creepy number one. Ooh. Comics to give you the creeps is the, uh, the subtitle. It's, it's a Tales from the Crypt kind of, kind of magazine, because it's not a comic, it's a magazine. But it is the first printing from way back then, and this is one of the comics that my dad read when he was a kid. And he wanted me to have a copy of it. He actually bought me this one and issue number seven. I prefer the stories in issue number seven, but just the fact that he bought me a first issue that back then was, we paid $5 for it because it's still in the original bag. Cover price, 35 cents. <laughs> those but, Amish, those Amish yeah. make a tough bug. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's, it's got your standard Tales from the Crypt kind of stories. It's an anthology book. Got the twist endings and everything, and the uh, Uncle Creepy is the mascot of this. <laughs> that's but awesome. That's my five. <laughs> now, I'm pretty confident we don't have any Amish listeners. Well, you, oh, you never, never know. know. They could go into the store. If, they, uh, if they're like if you they're know. the ones that work in Philly, they, they have phones and stuff. You know, they're not like strict. You know, they're not more traditional Amish anymore. But I watched a right, whole they're... special on that. <laughs> not the breaking Amish. I'm talking like uh, an, an yeah actual documentary. Yes. <laughs> um, this was an interesting. This is one of those uh, top you know freaky fives where I have some input in on it, and then I'm like, crap, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> And then it suddenly the floodgates were open, and then I'm like, what am I not going to talk about? Mm. Uh, so I, I did have one honorable mention. In 2002, my wife and I went on a vacation trip to Asheville, North Carolina. And we went to the Biltmore House, of course, because when you go to Asheville, you go to the Biltmore House, and that's where you see where they filmed movies like... Uh, and not, I don't know, yeah, Richie Rich was filmed there, and I found out that like on the grounds, this place is huge. They filmed part of Last of the Mohicans there, which I kind of found interesting. Mm. Uh, but is that the Daniel Day Lewis one? Or? Yeah, the Daniel Day Lewis one. 
And at, whenever my wife and I vacation, especially if we're going, if we're going to be like staying in a hotel or something, I always bring comics with me to read while she's getting ready, uh, because you can't always count on the television. And mm. that was where I read the bulk of the Bruce Wayne murderer, Bruce Wayne fugitive story uh, that mm. was running through the Bat titles around that time. Really good, solid. Batman story, in my opinion. Uh, probably one of the last really good Batman crossovers from that era. But, along with that, number five, on our honeymoon, we went to Chattanooga. And in addition to visiting a bunch of different comic shops, I had with me, at that point, I middle of 2003, in June, in fact, when I started with uh, Home Depot, I started reading all of my Batman comics, and this was a solid run going from, like, 1986 all the way up to the present at that point. And I just started reading it, and it was stuff I had never read. A lot of it was stuff I had never read before. And by the time we got married in December of that year, I was into, like, 1992. And I remember reading some on our honeymoon and realizing how extremely lucky I was that I had a wife that wasn't going to give me a hard time about reading comics uh, on our honeymoon. So, mm. That sounds like the opposite of my story. <laughs> so, but I, I just remember it was a lot of the, you know, it was getting into the early part of uh, Chuck Dixon writing detective comics and all that. So those books will always have uh, kind of a special place in my heart. Two of the, the positions here uh, are from the same vacation. In 1990, I flew down from Pennsylvania to visit my grandparents, in, or actually where I live now. And from there, we drove to El Paso, Texas. And I spent those three days traveling, both times, uh, in the camper. Because you know, we had a pickup truck and a big camper, and I just wanted to sit in the camper because it seemed more interesting to sit in the camper than in a, a truck. But I brought all of my Superman books with me. So there's young Michael Bailey driving across the country, reading from Man of Steel number one up until then, the entire like post-crisis Superman stuff. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> I just, I, I, it, it's, it's why those books are so vivid with me. Whereas stuff from like 1997, I can barely remember at this point because ah. I reread those comics so many times. Whereas by like 96, 97, I was reading them and then just putting them in the bo in the box and not going back to them because I had so much other stuff to read. At mm -hmm. that point, it was just like I have nothing to read, so I, I need to find something. <laughs> Number three from the same summer was. The Demon number one to four. This was the 1990 series. Okay. And when we got to El Paso, uh, we were there about a week and a half, and I realized I hadn't bought a new comic in a while, and that's when I realized I was an addict because I, I started getting, like, the not quite the delirium tremens, but almost. Where it's just like I, I really wanted to go get some new books. And my cousin Jeff... Uh, who was about two years older than me at the time, uh, I asked him if he knew where if, if there was a comic shop in the area, and he, and he said where he bought his baseball cards, uh, they sold comics, because this was the early 90s when that kind of stuff happened. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of sporting good, uh, sports cards places were starting to sell comics. 
And I remember walking into this place, and, it was, and they had a pretty good selection of comics. They had a stack of the Todd McFarlane and Spider-Man's number ones. Uh, in fact, that's where I bought my copy, because, uh, t- I mean, I may joke that if you were buying comics in 1990, someone issued you a copy of uh, Todd <laughs> McFarlane's Spider-Man number one, to borrow a joke from Wayne's World. Uh, I, but it was almost like that, and I remember reading it and not it not making a lick of sense to me at the time. But they had, just on the shelf, the first four issues of the Alan Grant... Val Cemex Demon series and this was at a time where if something just caught my attention I would just pick it up (laughs) because you know I I, I didn't have the extensive collection I have today and everything was still kind of new even though I'd been going to comic shops and even though I'd been collecting books on a regular basis you know there was still like uncharted territory and I don't know if either of you have ever read that series. It's actually really good. Or at least no, the four issues that I read. It's got a... It, it was my real introduction to the demon as a character. And it's not like I fell in love with it, because obviously after that vacation I didn't buy another issue. But still, it was just neat being on vacation and trying a new book. Uh, that was also the vacation I called home to have my dad go get me an issue of Adventures of Superman because I realized I had not bought it and I wanted to get it before it sold out. So, mm. and I, and I feel bad for him now because I had to give him a specific issue number and you know it's going to have this on the cover. I need you to get it for me. And it, but it was waiting for me when I got home. So that was that was a uh, yay, Dad. <laughs> number two. What I got in the summer of 1988. Uh, actually, my number one happened in 88, too, but on a separate trip. Uh, for from In 86, 87, and 88, my family went to Ocean City, Maryland for a week in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my aunt had a beach house, and she rented it out to people. And we would uh, rent it for the week, and it was one of our big family vacations. Kind of close to home, but... One of the things that we would always do, in addition to going to the beach, and we would see a movie every year, we would go to the boardwalk. And I I liked the boardwalk, but I was never really into it. Because, you know, yeah, I'd go to the place to get my switchblade comb, because I was 12, and that's, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, interested you. That's what you did. But, you know... That's what all the a, tough kids had. <laughs> As a kid, I, you know, I, I liked Transformers and I liked GI Joe and I liked all that kind of stuff. But there was until I got into comics, there wasn't like the one thing I was into. Like my sister Jane was a reader, and she, you know, she read Tolkien in the third grade, and had Ow. this 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 set of the Lord of the Rings books that she literally wore out. She read so many times and she read Stephen King and she just, she was just a voracious reader when growing up. So, you know, the, there was a used bookstore on the, on the, uh, on the boardwalk that really didn't do a whole lot for me because I wasn't much of a reader at the time, but that summer I discovered right next to that one, this place that was selling comics but it wasn't a comic shop. It's not like the, the, the comic shop from Lost Boys, which was on a boardwalk, uh, which was big and extensive and stuff. No, this was just this little, literally this like little hole in the wall. 
And what they did is they just bagged up random comics and sold them for two bucks a piece. So, so I had the money that my dad gave me to buy stuff, and instead of buying a switchblade comb and whatever else crap that I would get, I bought a couple bags of comics, and in and in one of them was Who's Who number eighteen that had Power Girl on the cover, and Legends number four. Oh wow! And Legends number four was a big deal because when we got home from our first trip to Ocean City in nineteen eighty six, we went to the mall for some reason and just randomly this was before i was even buying the superman books i got legends number five so hmm. i was kind of familiar with this series and but who's who was still mostly uncharted territory for me i had read the updates and but as far as the original series i, I it's not like i went out and bought issue one and then i bought issue two and then i bought issue three i was so random with that kind of thing like the first the first issue of Who's Who I ever bought that was a back issue of the original series was number 22 because that had Superman in it. You know, a big John Byrne cover of Superman standing there looking like he's standing on Swamp Thing's back. <laughs> uh, and then I got the Batman one, so it was really based on character, but this was kind of a random thing. And that issue isn't really filled with, like, the heavy hitters of the DC Universe. But at the same time, I really, really liked it. And it really, it, it basically kept me company that ride home. Because at that point, you know, like, like an issue of Who's Who took me some time to read. Because you poured through it and you paid attention. And you were and you were really, at least for me, I was just really into it. So between reading those two books uh, on the way, it was, just, it was just neat to have gone to found at the Boardwalk comics. You know, it's just like, finally, something for me. Uh, number one was from the same summer my grandparents uh, took my cousin Jeff and I to Niagara Falls I did a lot of traveling with my grandparents when I was a teenager it's, it's kind of interesting <coughs> because of them I got to see a lot of the country uh, I mean things my sisters didn't get to do and I got to, be, I got to go to Canada and I got to go to Mexico so you know, it's not like I'm a world traveler, but you know, for a suburban kid, that I was doing pretty good, and I was given some money to buy some comics to take with me on the trip. And I remember vividly my grandmother telling me not to read them until we were on the trip because I didn't want she didn't want me to spo- get them spoiled or anything. <laughs> and this this was the trip where I learned overpack. Because I ran out of stuff to read very quickly, uh, and that so was Grandma was right. Mm-hmm. So, but the the two comics I bought were Adventures of Superman number four forty four, which was the second chapter of the Supergirl saga. Aha! Uh-huh. And Who's Who update eighty eight number one. And I had bought the original Who's Who update. The original Who's Who update, which doesn't make any sense. I bought Update 87 uh, right when I started collecting comics that was coming out. So it was like this grand introduction to the DC Universe right in my right in my hands. And I just remember sitting in the camper. It was a different camper because that's what my grandfather did. He would buy campers, he would fix them up, he would use them for a year or two, and then he would sell them at a profit. But... Again, it's just one of those things where uh, I just vividly remember reading that second chapter of the Supergirl saga 
and not knowing what was coming next. Because I, I wasn't plugged into fandom. I bought all my comics off the spinner rack. I didn't go to the shop. I didn't read Amazing Heroes or Comic Scene or whatever magazines other magazines were coming out at the time. So I didn't know that this was leading up to John Byrne's last issue on Superman. And I didn't know what it was leading to in the next issue, which uh, caused some controversy then. And we saw similar controversy last summer mm. uh, for very similar reasons, as a matter of fact. But, again, there's something about, being as a kid, being on vacation and having that comic with you that you read again and again and again because you really have no other choice because you're just trying to pass the time because driving is boring or riding in a car is boring. So, but that was, that's my number one. Uh, I just... You know, there there wasn't, uh, after a certain period of time, whenever we went to visit my aunts or anything, there there wasn't a trip I took where I didn't have a boatload of something to read with me. I always, you know, especially, we would go see my aunts in Virginia and Maryland uh, frequently, and on those weekends I would bring my, I would just dump my books out of my book bag and just fill it with comics, <laughs> just in case something bad happened. That is one so. of the beauties of the... Oh, tablets yeah. make it very easy to overpack for uh, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I I want a tablet pretty bad at this point. Just... You know what I did? Uh, I don't know if this is advisable for you or not, but what I did, uh I had a I had a very cheap G-tab uh that somebody had given me and after a while it just crapped out. Uh so when it came time to buy a new one, I didn't have top dollar to invest in it so what i ended up doing was i bought a uh, surface because that's kind of failed a little bit on the market uh, and the prices are probably about half what you'd pay for an ipad and yet i find uh you know it's, it's it doesn't have as many apps as an ipad does but i'm not a huge app guy anyway and uh it really serves my purposes and it's great for reading comics on yeah uh Shag contacted me recently, and he picked up a Nook. Since mm. those are, um, since those are getting uh, discontinued, basically, they're being sold pretty cheaply. And he and and the pictures he sent me, they look great. But I think those are seven-inch screens, and as I get older, my vision gets a little more poor. So I need the ten-inch screen. I could use a two-foot screen if they made it. <laughs> now, when you read your digital comics, Paul, do you do you zoom in on the panel, or do you read a whole page? Uh, usually what I'll do is I'll have, you know, it's 10 inches wide, and I'll go with the panel screen instead mm-hmm. of having the entire page. So basically I read the top of the page, and then I scroll down to the bottom and read that. I don't okay. zoom in on the individual panels, though. Yeah. Unless I... Is this really something I want to get a close look at? Yeah, you because know, I've I've got a seven inch uh, Samsung Galaxy, and I I just zoom in on the panels, and you know most of the time it I mean you'll it'll end up being at least twenty percent bigger than if if I was reading a paper issue, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's the you're focused in on this. A lot of times I'll see detail I wouldn't normally see. And I don't, because these are old comics I haven't read before, I don't know what's coming next, so I just flip through the panels. I just, I find that to be a, a really 
nice way to read it. Right. And and that those oversized looking at it in an oversized way and and taking in things that you never would see in the normal sized book. Uh that's what's kind of rekindled my love for the treasury editions mm-hmm. and made me want to try and get as many of those as I can. Uh you know, hitting some brick walls on them. I'm go I've gone by a few comic stores in the neighborhood and then I walk in and I you know I'll ask, you know, do you have any treasury editions? And I'm almost universally getting the same answer everywhere. And uh what they're telling me is that when they come into the store they're usually a little bit beat up because of the oversized nature of them. They don't store that well. Right. So they're usually a little bit beat up. They're not, you know, horrible, but they're not, you know, far from mint, unfortunately. So usually they find that they price them at about five bucks. Mm-hmm. And they find that at that price point, they move very quickly. So they don't keep very many in stock. So that's still that's that's. I, I was a little surprised when I went to the uh, Comic Con. I was looking around for them and I couldn't find any. Really? Wow. That's that's the local con, not not New York Comic Con. Um, um, I think that's going to be one of my uh, my goals at New York Comic Con is to pick up you know at least several Treasury editions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, my next convention experience, uh, comics are not. A huge part of it, so. So, what are you dressed up as? Yeah, I, I really, I don't, I, I don't ever plan on buying anything. Usually, the comics they have there are. Uh, <clears throat> it's a lot of dealers that deal in golden and silver age books. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one of them, I mean, his prices are just insane, uh, which is kind of funny because he he has a a name. That is exactly the same as a certain ad. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, Edward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his, his, I mean, he wouldn't advertise it like that, but you know, just overpriced books, like hmm. overpriced books. And unfortunately, at DragonCon, the, the main draw there is 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 the celebrities and all that. So the dealers' room uh, is not overly full of of, of good comics. There, there was a place that apparently bought up all of Borders Marvel backstock uh, cuz but they've had the same trades for like 5 years now so it's just ah. like you know I've been there once and it's just the days of going there and 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 going through some 50 cent boxes are just they're over unfortunately yeah. my my days of of going and looking for back issues of you know regular just comic series are done with the exception of you know 50 cent boxes once in a while but uh that's why i i find it's it's always nice to have a uh to have you know a quest so that that's that's why i've adopted my treasury edition quest now and uh i'll throw out another thanks i mean it's a while ago now and i've already mentioned it on the air but uh our mutual friend jay david weeder sent me a few uh of the dc books which were greatly, greatly appreciated, and uh, I love having them, so I really do appreciate that he sent them over. Yes, thanks to him, I have Superman versus Muhammad Ali and Incredible Hulk versus Batman. Nice. And that works out. There's, there's abs- I can't even sit here and say, oh, he sent you those instead of me, because I have both of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I recently completed uh, my, my first leg of Treasury... Uh, Editions I wanted. I have the 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 two Amazing Spider-Man, Superman ones. I have the Batman Hulk, 
I have the Muhammad Ali one, I have the Wonder Woman Superman, and I have the Shazam Superman. Mm. I, for some reason, really want the Wizard of Oz one. Because it's the first one? (laughs) Yes, but only because that is technically the first one. Well, there's that one, and there's the Disney, uh, the first Rudolph one, that are supposedly very hard to come by. Yeah, Rudolph... I found this out recently. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was a popular character in comics for DC in the 70s. They and I had, was collecting comics in the 70s and totally unaware of that. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, he had a bunch of treasury editions. Like, mm-hmm. more than you would ever think Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer would have. And they were totally... That would be, that would be one. one. <laughs> <laughs> so, even over that... <laughs> so, but uh, but but my friend Rob Kelly would know more about than I do. So. Yeah, I, I've I've recently uh, found Rob's Treasury Edition page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry for you not getting any work done. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.